Coming up next on the Jeff Crilly Show, you're going to meet a Gen Z enthusiast who's going to tell us why we may have judged this generation all wrong. Her incredible journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is The Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I don't know about you, but every time I pick up a newspaper or watch a television program about Gen Z, they are just condemning this generation. The, the, uh, the knock on this generation is that they're entitled, they're lazy, they don't have the ambition of their parents or their grandparents. But it's time that we set the record straight. And to do that, Kristen Gies, she is a Gen Z enthusiast and she's a serial entrepreneur. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for pointing out we have this generation completely wrong. They are the transitors. They are fighting off the fruit of the labor that we all, the older generations, the more seasoned generations have done. So yes, and I love that. I love that you're you're going to bat for them. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. What um why do we have this generation read so wrong? I think sometimes we see the ending results of this generation, right? Um, and I think something that we all have to do as the elders that will soon be passing the baton to them, whether we want to give it to them or not, um, is that without this generation, we wouldn't have had the right to be able to record the injustices we see. They're the generation that taught us that it was okay to say it's not okay, right? Um, I think also this generation does speak out a lot more. And I think what we have to do as the older generation or wise is, is to talk to them about how to talk about when you're uncomfortable or when you dislike something. Because right now all they see is social media. And the last thing I would say that I think um, is really one of the bigger factors that we don't mention a lot is that this generation grew up watching reality TV and they grew up watching reality TV, seeing people who were million or billionaires being able to fight staged conversations, stage fighting. And so that becomes popular. And so if we praise them when they act like that on social media and then when they do it in person, those who are dealing with them, whether it's a parent or an officer or just someone who is an authority figure, we can't now expect them to turn off to know, oh, that was staged what I have been growing up watching and seeing versus the reality of my actions has consequences. Yes. And we like to break news on this program when we can. And uh, Kristen has allowed us to break some news about <laughs> a game-changing app that she's developed. Advising Gens, it's the world's first digital discipline platform uh, created specifically for youth workers. So that's police officers, that's teachers, that's principals, that's social workers, counselors. And so essentially it's very similar to defensive driving, except Advising Gens focuses on all things discipline. So whether it's vandalism, theft, bullying, fighting, we cover all of those courses in a 16 minute video, very easy for kids to understand. And then it has curriculum as well so that a teacher would actually be able 
able to teach that, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group. And so we're super excited about it. We plan on launching it in September in 11 states. And so I'm excited to finally talk about it. We've been quiet about it for about two years now. Okay, much more of that on that in a minute, but let's go ahead and roll this clip. Gen Zers are struggling. Rates of student suspension, delinquency, and mental health struggles are on the rise. Youth practitioners and parental guardians need a simple and effective tool to get these Gen Zers back on track. Advising Gen Z is that tool. This is a turnkey learning management system and mobile application that can be used as an alternative disciplinary resource or a group mentoring session. Advising Gen Z is simple to use. Gen Zers can register themselves or parents and staff can create profiles. Your organization can easily configure users and access levels across multiple locations. Parents can also purchase access to the program to use at home. Gen Zers have 24-hour access to engaging content and teletherapy services available on any device, while practitioners get 21st century curriculum, comprehensive tests, risk assessments, and campus culture surveys to ensure students retain the lessons while keeping your team informed on how to best meet their needs. Available course blocks include diversion, mental health, social, emotional learning, and career exploration. Detailed reporting within the platform allows your team to track usage, trends, and assessment results. Automatic emails are sent to parents each time their child completes a module. Advising Gen Z is joining you in the fight to turn today's low-risk offenders into tomorrow's leaders. For more information, visit www.advisinggenz.org or call 214-935-2444. It's time we move past the stereotypes and begin addressing the real issues concerning Gen Zers. I'm Kristen Gies. This is Advising Gen Z, where discipline, peer mentoring, and technology come together. Wow, I am blown away. And uh, this comes just in time because I think there, there are a, a lot of troubles out there. And I, I think about our society and you know uh, the stress epidemic and the mental health epidemic. So who needs to uh, use this app? Well, we, I essentially wanted to do this along with my team. Pyramid Technology Solution is my developer company. Um, it's for practitioners. So it's anyone that is working with children 10 to 24 that are getting into trouble. And so a lot of times what we see when we see programs within a school environment, we see that for kids that are excelling in academics or um, involved in athletics, but we don't see something specifically for that teacher, that substitute, um, even that assistant principal who's working specifically in in-school suspension or alternative schools. And same thing in the court system. We see a lot of times um, judges giving out community service hours. And sometimes these are low-risk kids. These are kids that have gotten in trouble one time. But if I give them 30 hours of community service hours, meaning hours outside of school, to be right alongside a repeat offender, I'm now exposing them to more risky behavior. And so I wanted to create something for these practitioners to have, as well as to feel safe. A lot of times when you're watching television and you see, um, a kid misbehaving. Everyone always says, oh, that's better than me. I couldn't do that. But no one realizes the fear that comes into today's workers that are working with young people. Sometimes you don't want to handle discipline because you don't want to be on the news. So with this step, this gives them a first safe step, a system that documents how they handled the discipline and puts the responsibility back on the parent, but also creates accountability amongst all parties, right? So the practitioner has the accountability because their steps were documented, the parent is notified, and then it also gives that kid 
who's a first time offender an opportunity to correct their mistake by learning about it before being sent in a room um, around other people that are making more mistakes than they were. Amazing. She's also written a couple of books. I want to talk about the latest book and let's go ahead and put it up on the, on the uh, screen. Like Streetlights. Okay, what does that mean? So I, I talk about this, it's in one of my popular speeches and I have been thinking about writing a book for a while, but I haven't, but it's in loving memory to my uncle Earl, who's no longer with us. He passed away during COVID and it's our last conversation. He was talking to me a, a briefly about when he grew up as a young boy, um, how streetlights were important. Kids were not outside past the streetlights. Everyone knew that, but he was saying how this generation, they have no fear. They're out at all times of the day, all times of the night with no fear. And one of the things that I thought about leaving his house that the last conversation that I had with him, as I passed on the freeway and saw so many streetlights, I realized my job as a practitioner, as a youth worker, is just like a streetlight. We're supposed to come on during the darkest times of our lives. And so while all of the world is talking about all of the tragedy and all of the mental health that has occurred since having the pandemic happen to all of us, I think what I wanted to do was write something that was going to encourage that youth worker to remember they are like the streetlights. They're supposed to light the way to this young generation. And so if we're not lit, if we're not energized when we come to work, if we're not happy about our job, we allow them to have so much darkness going on in their world. And that's why they go to the, the dramatic parts of you know harming someone else or harming themselves. And so I think that's what this book is about. It's a guide for practitioners to really find their light again and remember why they got in the field, but also some tips on how can they stay lit? How can they stay energized? And just like streetlights, you're not the only one on the street. There is multiple streetlights. So depend on your coworkers so that you can stay lit. Wow. I could listen to you all day. She's a very popular speaker. Let's go ahead and roll part of her sizzle reel. Instead, it's things like anxiety, depression, it's thoughts of suicide. It's the things that they keep on the inside that they only think about when their head touches their pillow. It's the chaos that's happening in their home life. It's the friend group that no longer wants to be their friend. It's all of the questions of the things that they're learning in the news and on social media. And it's all of that darkness that is starting to settle on the inside of each and every one of them. And as I think about you all and me, as practitioners, we are like the streetlights, ensuring that every part of their journey as they grow up, that there is not a moment that it gets so dark in their world that they can't see a way forward. I just really enjoyed the presentations, and we are going to do a book study in the summer. I thought this would be an awesome book to take back to my colleagues and show them to do the summer research. We just heard her present a few minutes ago. She had a great presentation on leadership and help our youth, and so I bought the book, and I'm just going to get it signed and bring it back to her school district and have. No matter what role you play in the school system, if you're working with young people, you are one of those streetlights. And collectively, if we are on every freeway, every street, leading all the way home, 
We'll ensure that they don't get engrossed and they don't get caught up in the darkness that's happening all over the world and the darkness that's happening sometimes on the inside. Wow, you are such a powerful speaker. And I know as a, as a fellow speaker, nothing is better than feeling that connection with the crowd. And I know one of the stories that you tell is about how you once were a bully yourself. Yes, I was unfortunately a former school bully. Um, my high school principal, who's actually, uh, she just retired uh, as assistant superintendent, and she sits on our board now for our, our app that we're creating for practitioners. But I was really troubled. You know, one of the things that I think people misunderstand is when you do have a bully, we do talk about hurt people hurting people. But I think the difference between back then when I grew up versus today is that you didn't talk about the issues that were happening in your home. And I think that's one of the things that Gen Zers are actively doing. And so for me, when I was bullying at school, it really came from you know, being in an environment for 14 years with my stepfather who was emotionally and physically abusive. Um, it was being there, you know, with my mother and being there even with his sons who were, you know, physically abusive to me. And so when I went to school, that was my moment to have a different identity. And as someone young, you don't realize what impact you're having on other people. I didn't realize that my ability to scare people into following me, I now can do that while inspiring them, right? Mm -hmm. And I needed someone who didn't look like me to come into my world and say, hey, you can do something different. It wasn't that my mother or my family didn't love me. It was that they didn't know what was going on in our household, first of all. And back then, if you had a man that was willing in the in the black and brown community if you had a man that was willing to come home and provide for you and you were living in a great lifestyle you know according to what society believes you didn't complain about his unstable right and we still talk about this today men in every culture that are not going to seek mental health it's more popular now but you know when i grew up i'm 33 it wasn't a popular thing you know from four years old and, until i was about 15 and so i did act out at school and i did cause a lot of pain and one of the things that when I got expelled from my school and, and got sent to my new campus, which was Northwest, which is where I met Dr. Parker, when she saw my transcript, instead of seeing what everyone else had saw in every other school that I had gone through, she told me what qualities I had that could be turned positive. And I think for these kids, and that's why I'm so passionate and why I started my nonprofit before launching our ed tech company, is realizing that these misguided kids they do need an opportunity to see themselves doing something different. And different doesn't mean special treatment. Different just means saying, hey, instead of me just having you pick up trash where you're not learning about anything during that, I'm going to have you pick up trash, but I'm also going to have you write a note to someone. Mm. I'm going to have you write a note to someone who might be living in poverty, who might be in a worse circumstance than you. Giving me that opportunity to lead an initiative at school showed me the attention that I was in my heart seeking, the, um, the, you know, just the student body agreeing with me that I was needing really was developing me to be exactly what I'm doing right now, right? I'm a national speaker. Why is that? Because of the opportunity that Dr. Parker gave me. I could be a national criminal, you know what I mean? But she gave me that opportunity. And I think that's the part that as we talk about these kids that are getting into trouble and they're escalating, we've got to also say, 
Is it that they're escalating because they want attention? And should we deprive them from attention? Or should we start complimenting them the same way that we complain when they do something wrong? If we gave, I mean, I mean imagine if I saw you every day and I spoke life into you and told you something positive about you, are you then gonna go disrespect what I've said about you? Or are you gonna rise up to the occasion? Mm. And that's what it takes in order to really stop kids from bullying. So powerful. If you had a chance to go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? I would probably say uh, remove the the chip on your shoulder. I think you know my my biological father leaving my mother and I. Um, I spent many days watching Disney, and even though I love Disney and I am a fan, one of the things that I think children's shows do not do is they put this false hope of one day something great is gonna come back for you. So I had in my mind a lot of nights, my dad's gonna come back for me, my dad's gonna come back for me. My dad did come back for me, I was 21, and at that point I was already doing what I'm doing right now, right? So I think I would have told myself, don't miss out on so much of your childhood hoping that people come back for you or hoping that you're getting this attention. Embrace the people that are there for you, loving you right then. Wow, that is so powerful. And I, if we had a tight shot, you would see that her eyes are misting because yeah. you, um, you absolutely, this is your speaking your truth. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're gonna end with your website, with this, which is kristengs.com. The great Christian G's, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.